Matt, I've got a quick question before we start. Oh, yeah. Are you going to talk as much about jerking off in this one as I am? Because I'm going to talk about jerking off. I'm much. not going to lie to you. I've tried to circumvent the jerking off as much as I can. Right. Just purely for uh, illustrative reasons. <laughs> You're worried about, about the Instagram feed? You're just being a, a parade of stories with just arcing jets. <laughs> I, I mean, I just... It, you know, I this week I've been so <laughs> so involved in this. I think I've spent fifteen hours of research on this, which is the most I've ever put in for a single episode. I've spent nowhere near as much <laughs> as I, that. But I am nowhere near <laughs> learning anything about Alistair Crowley. I spent a lot of time just listening to the entire um, downloaded Nick Cave catalogue of back catalog <laughs> I've got on my Spotify, just to like block out. All other like stimuli from the world because the thing about wizards are is reading about them is so fucking boring. Yeah, oh, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, tell me about it. Holy <laughs> shit, we'll get into it. But yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Behemoth. Oh right. Um, uh, uh, in researching uh, my subject, but uh, and with that, I mean you kind of spoiled it a little bit. But uh, hello, welcome to We Make Things Fight, a whenever the fuck it comes out, Jesus Christ podcast. <laughs> Uh, where we take two things and fight them to the bloody death and beyond. I'm Drew Davis. And I'm Matt Troy. And today we are starting the spooky season with a straight-up magic fight between two of the 20th century's foremost genuine fucking wizards. It's the Rocket Jack Parsons versus the Great Beast. 666. Six, six. Alistair Crowley. Down, now, now. Something, something, white horse. Down, now, 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 now. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, are you- <laughs> You actually in the room? Hi, yeah. You're right. Uh, <laughs> well, this is going to be an impressions-heavy episode, isn't, uh, it? isn't it? Though, put out that warning. I don't now. know what Jack Parsons sounds like, but um, I can tell you what I think his voice sounds like <laughs> later on. I've been working on my Crowley voice. <laughs> of course, you have. <laughs> it's the fight news. Now, 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 where there's fights in the news. Down, 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 Okay. Oh, well, uh, thank you so much, Ozzy, for uh, introducing our fight news. That's we, all right, Sharon. I, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you like you like some fight news? Uh, yes, please. Why not? Um, when I found out about this first story mm. i immediately like I, like my fat fingers couldn't message you quick enough <laughs> i think you know the one you're talking about and this has been covered on various outlets since and it's only because we've had a bit of a, a hefty month that we've uh we've not been able to do our usual number of episodes in the month of september y- yes so we're kind of going into an early early october episode that I'm not, we're not be able to get this out sooner. But this is... And there will definitely be two episodes in October because our Halloween episode, holy fucking... I'm so excited about that episode. I mean, we're excited about every episode, but... Oh, God, <laughs> don't we came up with it. Um, anyway, so... Okay, this is um, from that bastion of journalistic integrity, the Mail Online. Oh, God, fuck. <laughs> And um, just in case anyone decides to quote me as saying that, might I add, he said sarcastically. Very, very fucking sarcastically. Have you seen Paul Darker's getting himself a fucking, uh, like, tour of Britain type Portillo show on fucking Channel 4? Oh, fuck off. I know. 
Oh, you know that so Channel 4 advert's like, complaints welcome. It's like, yeah, i got a complaint for you. You're fucking giving a Nazi a talk show, you yeah. fucking twats. Anyway, sorry. Oh, anyway, the story. Okay. E- exclusive. Mm. She tried to kill us. Indiana mother who adopted a six-year-old Ukrainian girl with dwarfism has been charged with abandonment, but claims her quote-unquote daughter was found to be a 22-year-old sociopath masquerading as a child. Now, you know how last week we brought up the seminal horror film, The Mangler? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a horror film involving... like, oh, like an orphan uh, child, maybe? I think so. Is yeah. it like The Good Son starring Macaulay uh, Culkin? Is it the, like the kid who had no parents? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's I, called. I'm trying to think of a good portmanteau of murder at an orphan. I, I just couldn't possibly imagine what that film might be called. But a child the, who doesn't have any parents, who is adopted by a set of parents, and then uh, ends up not being a child at all. Right. What could it be called? D- Dunstan checks in. That's a monkey. I just, I have Isn't to make it? a... I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> what? Dunstan checks I'm in? I'm glad you brought it up because I want to make a complaint about that film. <laughs> At no point did that monkey leave his card details with that hotel. <laughs> he didn't sign a book. No, he didn't sign... I mean, I just... no keys whatsoever. <laughs> he did, that's true. I mean, I, I've got to be totally honest with you. This came from a, a group I follow on uh, on Facebook called Pliny's Ostrich Facts, or mm. Pliny's Ostrich Facts, where people make up fake facts. But they, the, somebody there did make a very valid point that at no point in that film did that monkey check into that hotel. <laughs> Maybe it was called The Kid That Wouldn't Slow Down. Um, yeah. Anyway, to, to be fair, Air Bud never flew anywhere. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, he jumped high to play basketball. Uh, Kangaroo but Jack never once masturbated. He didn't know. No. Well, not that we saw. No, which uh, is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I anyway, mean, Christine Barnett, forty-five, and ex-husband Michael Barnett, forty-three, have been charged with abandoning their daughter when she was nine in Lafayette, Indiana, and fleeing to Canada. Fucking hell. Yeah. In an exclusive <laughs> interview. Flee into Canada. I know. It reminds me a bit of um, Van Fogey and the uh, fleeing their spooky Amberford residence for to live in a van <laughs> <laughs> far away from the, the horrors underneath. Lots of disparate things have reminded you of that lately, though. I know. You've often brought up, it's like, oh, this pizza. I'm hoping it really reminds some... me of, uh, of the foggy. And, and, and <laughs> I'm hoping to have some news on that dungeon. by the next next episode. Have we got nothing today? Nothing today, no. But, uh, you know, it's <clears> fine. Uh, so in an interview with Daily Mail TV, she denies the claims uh, that says she and Michael were victims of a fraud, claiming uh, the girl they adopted was an adult con artist who tried to kill her. Christine and Michael agreed. How do you think we would have fared against her? Well, against this child. <laughs> against this child. We'd be dead. <laughs> we are essentially, um, we are Ted dancing and Martin Short from um, Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> Is it Martin Short? No, it's, it's Steve Gutenberg, isn't it? It's Steve Gutenberg. Basically the same thing, aren't they? It's, I don't even think Steve Martin's in it, man. No, Ted Danson. Oh, d- Ted Danson's definitely. You know what? You said Martin Short. I immediately went to Steve Martin because of Father of the Bride. That's why. Ah, right. Who's the other one? Ted Danson. Neither of us. Ted Danson. Not Ted Danson. Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, and.
and one of the guys with mustaches. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Yeah, not we, very neither, right of us Tom are, Selleck. neither of us are Tom Selleck's. No. No, but no, we definitely have def- the other two. Definitely not. There's a story about the ghost in that. The, yeah. <laughs> it's not actually a ghost. It's just a cutout. It's, it? it's like a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> I'm going to just abandon this article and talk about it. But, okay, yeah. So apparently this kid... Um, do you know like the is it like the Lithuanian or Latvian dwarf in The Simpsons that replaces Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm picturing here. Or is it also like the time that Hans Molman replaced Bart? <laughs> Cowabunga, dude. dude. <laughs> um, oh, I'm reading off my phone and Daily Mail wants to send me notifications. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they. They got her a flat to live in. Um, it was ruled by doctors that she had the prerequisite bone density to be an adult. Okay. And apparently had pubic hair. Um, so they cut her in half, counted the rings, and then, like... I mean, I don't want to have to explain medical science to you okay. every time we do this. Right. But there are ways of testing bone density that don't involve lopping off a limb. Oh, man. And I don't think we born bones in the wrong time. I know we were. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so... So, wait, so the parents got her a flat? Um, yeah, I, no, I think that, like, social services got her a flat. Right, okay, that's 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 fine, because, like, if they bought her a flat, that's not abandonment. Yeah, but it is it's... if you're six and they just leave you in the flat. Yeah, but if they're paying the rent on it. Yeah, but like... you've got to look after a six-year-old. But she's not six! Yeah, but if... But it's fine, so... Yeah, if, if, if you leave a 22-year-old in a flat, it's not abandonment. <laughs> Okay, if you have a six-year-old in a flat, it is abandonment. I'm just saying that I mean, there's some level of oversight there because they're paying the rent on the flat. No, the, the Department of Social Security are. All oh, right, okay. I believe so. But, she is an adult. She's not. Nobody knows. Uh, not charged with abandonment. She's currently charged. missing. I, nobody knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> like there's there's evidence. Apparently, she smoked cigarettes. And, oh, okay. Um, spoke like an adult, <laughs> but at the same time, nobody could quite be sure. Like, I did not think it was possible. I just thought that, like, scientists could test your blood and go, yeah, he's 30, you know? <laughs> I, I did not know that you could be an ambi- that ambiguously aged. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess, like, you know, somebody could say, like, oh, they were between 7 and 11, you know, or between, uh, yeah, yeah. like, 15 and 20. But not to know if somebody is 6 years old or 22. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Is buck wild. In terms of looks, because, like, to look at her... It looks like a little kid. It looks like a kid. Ah, Jesus, I've clicked on one of the pictures and it's enlarged it. <laughs> Not... Give me another I... look. Let's have a look. I don't know. At a, gl- I, I just at a don't glance. Know. Yeah. At I a glance, do... she looks like a kid. But there is something... But I know... She straight up looks like a child there. Okay, I know yeah, people who look way younger than 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 they actually claim to be. But uh, also, apparently, this woman was she won some award or wrote some book on. I, I mean, I've, I've given up reading the article well, now. On dwarfism? No, or... on child rearing. <laughs> so. Well, the mother. Yeah. Fuck. It's like, do you have you ever played the tower defense game mm-hmm. or like Tetris? Mm-hmm. And you like play it on level zero, and you're like, you know, destroying those robots or like. Creating all those lines. Yeah. And, and then you just of... switch immediately to level 99. Yeah. And it's just dropping like fuck. Yeah. Like that's what she's gone from, from child one to child two. 
Like the I think it was about fostering maybe or adopting. So the first child was like a resounding success. Went, went fine. Yeah, and every, people were reading like a thing that she'd written. And the second child is some was, sort of was problem child only actually problem adult. Yeah, maybe it was like a what's that film called? Don't look now, is it with um. Oh, yeah, with Donald Sutherland. Sutherland's ass, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. moving Starring, up and down on yeah, University. Yeah, for hours, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing it's again. It's really uncomfortable. It? I've, I've watched far less uncomfortable pornos than that. Yeah, I mean, his ass is, is bland. <laughs> like, it's, it's just kind of, it's the whole thing is featureless and. I mean, you say it's bland, but I mean, I can immediately recall it to me. Uh, yeah, actually, I can picture I mean, it in some, is, some frightening detail. It's all I can think about now it is possibly i've seen don't look now quite a few times and like it might be the male ass i know the most yeah you're Donald right actually. also now i'm picturing the, the 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 child in that film turning around and its face is his ass yeah yeah <laughs> so in conclusion the full, the full name of the <laughs> film was don't look now but here's ass face so... <laughs> don't look now dot 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 <laughs> I think we need to put a positive spin on this uh, this whole fiasco um, because I'm worried that it will discourage people from, from adopting, adopting children with dwarfism, you know, or <laughs> maybe overseas children in the, the fear that they may actually be tiny spies. I don't think that our listener base was like waiting on us to make the final call on it, though. I think that is our responsibility as broadcasters. You know what? I'm going to say, fuck it. Um, Be careful about all kids because any fucking one of them might be a psychotic Ukrainian Ukrainian dwarf. Or a Kevin that we need to talk about. Oh, a Kevin that we need to talk about. (laughs) So, (laughs) in lighter news. (laughs) Um, Do you know last time you said whenever you see news about a big cat, you're like... It's a cat. Yeah. It's a fucking big cat, mate. This is from the Independent. Oh, the, in the Paris. Yeah. Thing. John Sharman wrote this article which says, Black Panther spotted prowling French rooftops prompts astonishment. Yeah, but it was actually proved to be a panther. Yeah, so... Like any it, the, the news article begins on the foot of, this is a panther. Yeah. And you look at it and it's like, oh shit, yeah, that is a panther. Look at it in relation to the window. Look at how panthery it is, it being a panther. But any news article that begins with, is this a panther? It's not a fucking panther. What I'm saying, Drew, is they can't all be winners, okay? They, no, they are. This is the first winner I've ever seen. <laughs> this is the first purely confirmed case of, this is a panther. I'm, I'm opening with, right, right now, I'm telling you, check out this big predatory cat but at but if some it point you, if it's a hypothetical is this a big cat it is 100% not a big cat at some point somebody raised the camera phone and hit record with that question in their mind like the the news article has reached that point beforehand I don't this know, at man. some it's... point was somebody's personal cryptid this was somebody's personal big cat sighting no i don't know man i mean uh... The pictures are pretty fucking close to the point where, like, you go, holy shit, there's a panther. Well, I'm a film this panther. I'm looking at the panther now, and like, there he is, right? That's like, a fucking panther. Yeah, but the thing is with panthers are, they're not as big as you think they're going to be. No, like, that, that is true. I imagine, like, a panther's going to be, like, the size of, like, you know, a reasonably sized lion. But they're not, actually. They're, like, about the size of a, of a medium-sized dog. Yeah. yeah. 
And <laughs> if I was there, you know, I'm in Paris, I'm hanging out of a window with a roll-up cigarette in my mouth and my vest on, my braces carelessly hanging at my side. Are you wearing a hat of some kind? No, I'm not. I have a messy hair because I've just woken up and I'm taking in my morning wine. Oh, of course. And yeah. I look up and I think, yeah, are, you are you looking forward to your breakfast of onions, which are conveniently around your neck? I mean, right now. I don't know what you know about French culture, but they actually croissants for breakfast and onions for lunch. Oh, of course, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And then wine for supper, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, 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 yeah. all the meals. But um, I, I'm like, I'm looking up and I'm like, Jout c'est panther. Um, but I'm like, also, is it la chienne? <laughs> uh, pour le medium size? <laughs> I don't know if you speak French, but I Literally. actually said... Jesus Christ, is that a panther or is it a medium-sized <laughs> like, dog? Yeah, I, I got, I got yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um... But it's like, Zutalo, why is that medium-sized she-en got, like, <laughs> the face of a shat? <laughs> Which it's, is French um... for, why is that medium-sized dog got the face of a cat? <laughs> of, a, of a shat. <laughs> it's actually shat. Oh, shat. Yeah. Shat. Um... Yeah, so the creature reportedly remained calm throughout being observed and uh, occasionally pausing. No, it was being observed. Occasionally pausing to watch a train go by or observe a domestic cat. Probably thinking, <laughs> is that a really little panther? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or a small dog? Oh, no, or an adult Ukrainian dwarf panther. <laughs> masquerading as a small panther. Or is it just two Ukrainian dwarves? <laughs> in a panther suit. Hey, we don't know. We, I mean, no, we don't know. Anything is possible in 2019. Um, I love this quote from a police officer uh, who added such this pearl of wisdom. In 20 years of service, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen a polka dot railroad tie. <laughs> like, you've seen just about anything. Well, in all my years... <laughs> I've seen a horse fly. Oh, them Duke Panthers done it again. So, yeah, um, that's it. I've never seen that. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it was your one chance. You're never going to get asked about that again. I saw a cat once. Thought, is that a panther? No, wait, it's a cat. It's a cat. Yeah, it is Just definitely a particularly a cat. fat cat. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's my that's my fight news. Cool, uh, thank you. This week, I, I thought I would uh, bring that along for you. Um... I also wanted to raise one issue before we got started. Okay. It's not an issue as such, but... Have you was... offended a country again? Um, Apart from France, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to need to travel to Paris, I guess. Um, no, um, there is one thing we brought up last time where I said, is there, a, like, a subculture of people who steal things from the sea? I posited that, of course, there is. Yeah, and I mean, like, but under the sea, not just, like, you know, you know, from, like... Salvage and that, and I was saying that. Um, <laughs> Lovely voice uh, past Matt as uh, well. Well, that's what I sound like, right? Beautiful. But <laughs> is this your radio voice? <laughs> the second I stop recording, just like, oh, that was a good episode. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give it away. You got a water I can drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, Don Phillips, a friend of the podcast, messaged me saying, um, what about the Wilhelm Gustloff? And, what about it? And he said, he just wanted to posit this as one example of, um, a, uh, of a mass, undersea mass theft. 
So um, at the in the middle of um, uh, World War Two, mm. uh, the Germans had purloined a piece of art known as the Amber Room from the Soviets. Okay, and they transported it from I want to say Saint Petersburg, but I might be wrong. Back to Konigsberg, modern day Kaliningrad. Right. Is which this at the time was in the German Empire? Yeah. Is this a room? Is this a painting? Ah, a room, yes. Or? It is actually. It's it's essentially. Stuff you can put on a wall, like they're huge sort of gold and bejeweled panellings. Right, okay. And they were considered to be like very, you know, exquisitely. If you look them up, they look amazing. Yeah. Um, Like fancy skirting boards. Yeah. Yeah, but like walls. Right, okay. (laughs) Um, So Fancy skirting boards boards that go all the way up. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So at uh, one point in the war, um, the Soviets were gaining ground and they were about to smash into Konigsberg. Um, and the people were evacuating, and one of the ships evacuating was the Wilhelm Gustloff. Okay. Um, Rumour has it, although it's never been quite confirmed, it's still missing, that the uh, Amber Rooms was taken aboard the Wilhelm Gustloff as it left port. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, although it was, I believe, a hospital ship, it still had anti-aircraft batteries on it, so it was a legitimate target, and it got targeted and it got sank. Right. Uh, it went to the bottom of the Baltic, and since then, it has been completely stripped of the stuff that was on it. It's a designated mm. war grave. Yeah. But obviously, bastards be bastards. No, yeah, yeah. And it was obviously full of treasures. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, if you're a hospital ship, well, if your grave is full of art, yeah. some fucker is going to come along and try and nick it. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> so, one, another thing I wanted to add is that maybe when this robot sea monster emerges from the Baltic and starts blasting through... Scandinavia and Northern Europe with laser eyes. Oh, the, the one made of mangles. Yeah, the yeah. one with a mangle on it. Yeah. yeah. Might also have some pretty fancy gold panelling. Oh, nice. Mm. I think you should have it for the eyes. Yeah, I think like they should like lift glowing up. Glowing golden eyes. And underneath yeah. it's just like, like, like glowing a, lights. Like a nerd 70s sunglasses. Yeah, just like blasting. Maybe you could uh, mm-hmm. use the sort of gold in like a highly polished way like, um, what's his name, Archimedes did in Syracuse. Okay, I think you're going too far now. But he used... This was like fucking ancient world lasers. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, but like you go and just, just ridiculous. I'll I'll go with composite Voltrons. <laughs> making um, <laughs> this for, is an audio medium for for uh, the listeners, which is all of you. Um, Matt just made squeezy booby motions. I was holding up my hands to demonstrate what two reflective dishes look like. Oh, and apparently, it's text. As Drew was berating me. I honked both of the <laughs> reflective dishes. Okay. So anyway, yeah. Thank you, Don, for bringing that to our attention. It's the audio equivalent of throwing a milkshake over me. I just want to make that clear. Oh, and you deserve that. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Don, mm. thank you for bringing that to our attention. And thank you're you, absolutely Don. right. The sea is full of treasures, which people will rob, including a priceless double set of a £1,500 mangle. Yeah. Uh, especially if those treasures uh, belong to dead people. Yeah, people yeah. love to steal from the dead. Yeah, uh, yes, they do. Um, speaking kind of tangentially of the dead, oh, yeah. our subjects are both dead. They are, very much so. Should we, uh, should we fucking fight them? I think we should. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to introduce to you the man... The beast, the legend. The wanker. The wanker, the absolute appalling piece of shit. Oh, he's an awful... He's a terrible, terrible Awful man. fucking prick. Um, 
Some know him as Edward. Some know him as Pedrabo. Some know him as... I know. He had a lot of names. But the world remembers him as Alistair Crowley. Born Edward Alexander Crowley on the 12th of October 1875 in Royal Leamington Spa, Warwickshire, England. Crowley was an occultist, ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist and mountaineer. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not know this? I didn't know he was mountaineer. He was like an incredible mountaineer. Yeah? Yeah. There was a bad incident on K2, but he did a lot of mountain climbing. Mm. Um, Crowley rejected his parents' uh, religious uh, fervent upbringing. They were Plymouth Brethren um, to pursue interest in Western esotericism. He was educated at Trinity College, Cambridge, where he focused his attentions on mountaineering and poetry uh, and resulting in several publications. Some biographies allege that this time, and this is going, this is going to come back a lot Mm. from the research topics that I chose for this, um, that uh, he was recruited by the British Intelligence Agency. Um, I've, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and further suggesting that he remained a spy throughout his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading from an extensive set of notes so I really had to edit down because they ended up being 20 pages long. Yeah. <laughs> Crowley was uh, a controversial figure Sounds throughout his very, life. very you. Well, like I said, I got very, very lost in this. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is a difficult <clears throat> thing to, to go through. Uh, Crowley was a controversial figure throughout his life. His mother, Emily, uh, Bertha Bishop, 1848 to 1917, had... Bertha sh- Bishop? That's her, her maiden name. Was she a wrestler? Uh, yes, she was a 19, 19th century wrestler. Awesome. <laughs> she wasn't. Uh, she had a strange relationship with her son, whom she called The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> a nickname... Which Crowley obviously fucking loved. Uh, <laughs> they just took the beast from him, the thing his mother used to shout after him. Yeah. As he got opiumed up and had a boy sit on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my head, his voice is kind of like um, a disappointed uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> like, that's how I've been imagining him <laughs> since I started yeah. this. So we'll come back to that. Um, uh, Crowley's father died of tongue cancer. Nasty way to go. Fucking hell. Yeah, in 1887. I say as you suck on your vape. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1887, when the boy was 11, Crowley had been a great admirer of his father um, and he inherited a third of his wealth, making him, as you can imagine at that age, an an unruly school child. Yeah, a little uh, shit. Who was kicked out of a series of schools. Mm -hmm. Um, He set aside at this time as well his Christian beliefs and took to smoking masturbating and visiting prostitutes from whom one of which uh, gave him gonorrhea. Okay. He was sent to live with a brethren tutor and began to develop interests in chess, poetry and mountain climbing. Uh, and climbed Beachy Head, uh, the Eiger, uh, Thrift, uh, Jungfrau, the Monch and the Monk, I think, oh. and uh, the Vetterhorn when he was quite young. When Fucking he was a Eiger? Yeah. How old? Um, when he, I think when he was a young man. I mean, we'll come back to this. There's more... On this, he was a very accomplished mountaineer. Okay. Um, he adopted the name. Of, here we go. He mm. adopted the name of Alistair over Edward when he attended Trinity College, Cambridge, uh, studying initially philosophy, though he changed to English literature. Many of his poems appeared in student publications like the Granter and Cambridge Magazine. He also started to get increasingly increasing recognition in the alpine mountaineering community. So far, he's a he's a sporty Stephen Fry. So far, so good. Yeah. Like, he's a prick, but 
you know, he's a rich prick. Yeah, but yeah. It's like that Billy Connolly joke, isn't it? Like, oh, what, what do you do for a living? Uh, toboggan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like rich people jobs. Yeah, yeah. And he chose the name Alistair Crowley because he read, the most favourable name for becoming famous was one consisting of a dactyl followed by a spondy. And don't ask me to explain that. Consider it your homework, okay? okay. <laughs> uh, uh, at the end of a hexameter. Like this particular, uh, you give her an example of a name. Jeremy Fowler. Okay. Yeah, or Jeremy Ma- Taylor, I should say. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Alistair Crowley fulfilled these conditions, uh, and Alistair is also the Gaelic form of Alexander. Uh, and he said, to adopt it would satisfy my romantic ideals. Uh, it is believed... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I know. It is believed... This is going to be a lot of sighing. Yeah. It is believed he had his first mystical experience and same-sex experience in, in 1896 while holidaying. And I know it seems to get mentioned every single episode in Stockholm, Sweden. <laughs> Regarding the experience. I love the Crowley bikes. Yeah. Yet at the same time, it was the key to the purest and holiest spiritual ecstasy that exists. You know what? I changed my mind. I don't like the Crowley bikes. <laughs> it's, it's really fucking creepy. Yes. <laughs> In October 1897, Crowley met Herbert Charles Pollitt, president of the Cambridge Footlights Dramatic Club, and they entered into a relationship despite homosexuality being illegal at the time he's fucking Stephen Fry he is Stephen Fry so far <laughs> so far he is yeah occult Stephen Fry <laughs> yeah they broke apart because Pollard did not share Crowley's increasing interest in western esotericism which I imagine he was fucking insufferable about. of course he fucking was you know you get that like, like that I one could friend. tell you about Gnosticism oh, oh god, god. shut up sorry Edward don't call me that. I'm Alistair Crowley. It's, da- Alistair. it's dactyl followed by a- oh god. You're a fucking dactyl. Yeah. <laughs> dactyl this, you twat. In 1897, Crowley travelled to Russia, apparently to learn Russian in Saint Petersburg. Though Crowley uh, biographers Richard Spence and uh, Tobias Churton, who I've taken a lot from, mm-hmm. um. Uh, suggests that he may have been uh, there as a uh, part of the British Intelligence Agency. Okay. Um, something which uh, Nicholas Booth also discusses in the outrageously titled Lucifer Rising, British Intelligence and the Occult in the Second World War. I want to read I, every word of that. I, However, I feel like it probably sounds a lot more interesting than it actually no, is. No, man, it's cool. Is it cool? Yeah, it's cool. I've not read much of it. I've managed to pick bits, might pick through bits of it again. Yeah. I wasn't able to get my hands on an actual physical copy of it, but I will. Mm. Um, in October 1897, a brief illness made him consider mortality and the futility of human endeavour and abandoned the idea of uh, being a, a diplomat in favour of the occult. Uh, to be honest, like, this just sounds like literally every endeavour I begin, though. <laughs> it's like not one of the nine things that get, I'm good at. You get a slight cold. You know, like... you. And like, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up scuba diving. I'm, uh, I, I'm proud of myself that I'm actually officially one of the very few uh, Welsh comedians uh, under the age of 40 mm. uh, who's not married or doesn't work in a technical trade that actually owns his own soldering iron. No, oh, nice. Because I bought a soldering iron so I could fix <clears> my own <throat> headphones. Right. I've so far managed to fix one out of four pairs of headphones <laughs> that I tried to fix, and then I roundly give up doing it. 
But yeah, I totally understand Crowley on this. I mean, like, I just count headphones into, like, living expenses. Yeah. Like, every four months, I will need a new pair of headphones. <laughs> yeah, you, you're particularly bad at it, aren't you? You I, destroy just, a lot of them. Just like, I, I'm going to take care of these headphones. And I, like, I Snap. Yeah, I look up headphone care, genuinely. Look up, like, <laughs> how to not fuck up headphones. Don't wrap them around each other. Yeah. Okay, cool, I won't. But, like, just one day I'll wake up and it's just, like, one one year isn't working. That is always like, the case. fuck you, Drew. So, anyway, your headphones aside, yep. in 1898, he published uh, his now infamous collection of uh, erotic filth, white stains, uh, which was printed... <laughs> You don't know about white stains. Oh, I'm... I've heard about it before, yeah. but just fucking hell. Yeah. Oh god. It's 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 the 19th century version of brush strokes. Yeah. The, the British TV show. It's not really. It's just porn, uh, which was printed abroad in Amsterdam. Of course, uh, so it, was. it did not fall foul of British censorship laws. Um, which I'm so... guessing at the time were uh, permissive. Um, have you ever seen that picture of Terry Thomas in bed? With a newspaper in front of him, his eyes nearly popping out of his head. Yes. Like, that's pretty much the perpetual image the, of the head censorship. Se- the head censor. Good lord! Good lord! Knickers! Um, and also he dropped I, from Cambridge. I smash every monocle I own within <laughs> two days! By being shocked. Shocked, I tell you. <laughs> so at age 23, Alistair was initiated into the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, by the group's leader, Samuel Little McGregor Mathers. Mm-hmm. Um, Crowley took on the magical motto and name of Freighter Perdurabo, <sighs> which he interpreted as, I shall endure to the end. Interestingly, Spence and Churton, the biographer, suggested that he joined under the orders of the Secret Service to monitor Mathers, who was, a known, who was known to be a carlist. Right, now, I have got to, got to think that if any of this spy shit was true... It would have come out by now. I don't know, man, because like a lot of rich folks at the time were just doing this, like as a ha- as a hobby. Oh yeah. Like you look at people like um, the, the 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 Cambridge spy unit. You know, the what's his name? Kim Philby. Oh, Kim Philby yeah. and Burgess. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just <clears throat> posh knobs who can afford to tr- look like they're traveling. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. And and it is that whole <clears throat> thing of just. Moneyed soft boys who just yeah were just like I'm going over here now. I'm going to to, to study yeah yo yo in Malaysia <laughs> or Malaya as they call it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Mathers was also going to be a Carlist, uh, which I I didn't know anything about. But apparently, it's a legit a traditionalist and legitimate political movement in Spain. Uh, looking to establish an alternative branch of the Bourbon family. It's the most boring thing yeah. you could be. So like. <laughs> Before Spain was interesting, and by interesting I mean horrifying. Um, it, so, it's basically like their version. Ex- another branch of the Spanish royal family. Oh uh, yeah, it's just like it, it's it's a bit like um what they called uh in Scotland um, oh, fuck why can't I think today? What like the the Stuarts? Or... No 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 Bonnie Prince Charlie and that. Oh right okay yeah yeah Jack Jack uh, Jacobites Jack, Jack yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but not as interesting as the, as the, the no Jacobites. not because they were fucking. That's, that's, yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot in that. Anyway, but, uh, Crowley moved in with um, senior Golden Dawn mem- member Alan Bennett, not that Alan Bennett. 
<laughs> I remember when I first met Alistair, his acidic <laughs> sense of humour and predilection to foul language reminded me of Peter and Dudley, Dudley and Peter, his yellowing eyes staring round the room like a forlorn uncle, forgetting why he'd left the comfort of his living room chair. You sound more like John Ronson. <laughs> basically the same. <laughs> but yeah, not that Alan Bennett, not... not British Northern playwright Alan Bennett. I wanked off into a pentagram in the middle of floor. <laughs> Only managed to summon a bat. <laughs> I don't know who's going to clean that up, said Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Alan acted as his personal magic tutor. Until... His personal magic tutor was Athora Heard, by any chance. <laughs> yeah. Until 1899, when Crowley purchased Boliskin House, a lavish residence. On the shores of Loch Ness. <laughs> um, this house, I'm just going to cut in here. Oh, the Loch Ness sex so house. so fucking cool. Though, yeah. Right? The history of creepiness long before being associated with the great beast himself, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, the house was built <clears throat> on the site of a kirk which caught fire and killed the entire congregation. Oh, fuck. Like, it's literally Scottish Indian burial ground yeah. territory. And this is the coolest thing I have ever seen out of like folkloric history. Right. Ever, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently the 17th century minister Thomas Houston had to put down a zombie crisis. What the fuck? After a devious local wizard had raised the dead in the Boliskin graveyard. Fuck off. I'm going to find out more. <laughs> what the shit? I know. I mean, it's not. It's obviously not actual zombies. It's like some fucking... Case of mass hysteria or something. Yeah, it's, prob- it's probably a case that a premature burial or somebody had um, consumption and sat up in the grave and the gases in their stomach exploded. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and but like, that becomes like four yeah. of them, which then in the retelling becomes like 20 of them. Yeah, but Thomas Houston mm. had to go and sort it. I mean, if you got a lot of people dying in an epidemic, you could be going back to the graveyard every night to rebury because they used to sit up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they'd have fresh blood in their mouth if they had, like, tubercular conditions. Yeah, and there was, like, there was a massive, like, vampire panic Yeah, oh, as well. Which, which in... reminds me, actually. Yeah. I'd be reading my story on that, uh, if anybody manages to catch this before this Friday. Oh, nice. The Connecticut tradition, uh, uh, the Swansea Fringe Festival, um, part of their late night ghost story. Oh, uh, nice. Do, uh, you want, do you want to give a date for that? Yes, that like... will be, what is it this Friday? Um, I don't know. Where is it today? Uh, it's the 2nd of October. Yeah, so there we go. It'll be the 3rd of October. No, 4th of October. 4th of October. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, if you catch this before the 4th of October 2019, come along. Check I'll it out. I'll be doing this it's on be... Thursday the 3rd, so you will have 24 hours. To get to Swansea. Okay, anyway, sorry. That went off topic, but no, that nice had plug. to be mentioned. Nice plug. Uh, Crowley believed uh, the location to be ideal to perform a series of rituals known as the Sacred Magic of Abramelin the Mage. From his grimoire, the book of Abramelin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. He's on the money there, though. Fair play. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna perform magic somewhere, that's a good fucking place to do it. Yeah, it's fucking zombie churchyard house. The purpose of the uh, ritual was to invoke his guardian angel and control it. Amongst preparations, he was required to abstain from sex and alcohol for six months. I better fucking kill him and summon the twelve dukes of hell and remove their negative influences from the magician's life. Obviously, Crowley failed. Of course. Uh, he was summoned to Paris by Mathers and um, never banished the demons that he summoned. <laughs> he basically left the house with a jigsaw unfinished and a chow mein in the fridge. No. You know? Oh, <laughs> Except the chow mein in the fridge is Beelzebub. Like, this uh, is now a cursed house. I mean, more cursed. <laughs> exactly. 
So uh, his visit to Mathers was part of a plot uh, for Crowley to seize control of the premises of the London uh, members of um, the organisation, yep. uh, the Golden Dawn, uh, because they'd grown unhappy at Mathers' autocratic rule. Uh, the case went to court and the judge ruled in favour of the London uh, faction and Crowley and Mathers were isolated. Uh, it's been suggested by Spence that uh, this may actually have been mission accomplished uh, for Crowley uh, in his other role as a spy. Okay. In sort of like taking out Mathers' power. Right. In 1903, he travelled to Mexico City and started experimenting with John Dee's Enochian invocations. Again, uh, John yeah. Dee is one of the coolest, most yeah, interesting John, figures. Yeah, John Dee is cool as fuck. But I, there's just no time to go into no. John D right now. No. And I'm sure we'll come back to John D. Yeah. Um, also, a common thread of going into the desert to do magic shit. Yeah. Yeah, that I'll be uh, covering later oh, on. Oh, cool. So, 1905, uh, Oscar Eckenstein's friend joined him, and later they climbed several mountains, and potentially, according to Spence, may have been prospecting in Mexico uh, for oil interests for British intelligence. Yeah, okay. Uh, Makes sense. Crowley then travelled to San Francisco, Hawaii, Japan, Hong Kong, and finally Ceylon, where he met up with Alan Bennett. <laughs> I came out here to study shavism, but I stayed for the excellent cup of tea at the Imperial Tea Rooms. Uh, Bennett became a, ther- a Theravada Buddhist, and Crowley uh, toured India to practice uh, Raja Yoga. While recovering from contracting malaria... Of course he was in a fucking yoga. Well, of course, yeah. You know, At the time, like yoga was pretty far out, though. I thought that like y- yoga was like... Something from the 60s or something like that. No, nah, mate, it's just old. But like, yeah. at least the modern kind of interpretation of Yeah, the boring of yoga. yoga is. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting yoga. Uh, so whilst recovering uh, after contracting malaria, he was joined by Eckenstein and several others, and they made an unsuccessful attempt to climb K2, Oof, which I think went badly for Crowley, and yeah. several people died. Uh, in 1903, Crowley met and very quickly married Rose Edith Kelly to prevent her from entering into an arranged marriage. Okay. And immediately set off on a honeymoon to Egypt. That is like the first decent thing he's done. Yeah, I think but he married her in literally a day. Okay. Yeah. Um, after experimenting with Islamic mysticism, <clears throat> uh, Rose became delirious and informed him, they are waiting for you. God. Yeah. On the 18th of March, she explained, they were the god Horus. She took him to the museum and showed him a mortuary uh, slab, the steel of Ankh FN Konsu. Like, okay. that I, I don't know. Uh, the exhibit number was... Six, 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 six. six the number of the beast. On the 8th of April, um, he heard the disembodied voice that claimed to be Iwas, the uh, messenger of Horus. Mm. Uh, over the next three days, he transcribed everything the voice said, and these writings would become... The Book of the Law. Yeah. The book proclaimed that humanity was entering a new aeon, the aeon of Horus, and Crowley would be its prophet. The cornerstone of the teachings being the edict, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'd love to like, see what was happening when he was writing that down. Yeah. Like, you just stop. Can you stop? Can you just go back, go back, go back? And, and then the voice is just like, um, uh, let me just do Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Wouldn't it be Alan? Slow down. Wouldn't it have been Alan that he was dictating it to? So <laughs> that would do, be great. Do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Mr. Peterson in the <laughs> so, so I said to the vicar, I said. <laughs> <laughs> the voice told him to steal the steel of Ankh FN Konsu 
fortify an island and translate the book into all the world's languages. But of course, Crowley, being Crowley, fucked it off and didn't do those things. Of course. Uh, in 1905, Crowley tried to unsuccessfully climb Kanchenjunga in the Himalayas and failed. So, like, it, it seems as though when he, he was getting involved in this stuff, half arse in it, and then failing constantly. <sighs> yes and no, because he was learning, <clears throat> like, what... He's a real tryhard. Yeah. So he's doing like this. He's playing the game on taxing from the start. Yeah. So everybody else is like learning the ceremony. Like WB Yeats is like, you know, wanking into a cup in London. <laughs> yeah. And, and Crowley is like getting like, you know, hard ass fucked. Yeah. Whilst raising Horus in you know, a pyramid. Yeah, in, in Cairo. Yeah. So he's really, yeah, he's, he's pulling out all the stops. Uh Crowley met with Rose and Lilith in Calcutta. Oh, Lilith, sorry, is his daughter. Uh, he had a uh, daughter at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cal- Calcutta, uh, but was forced to leave India after non-lethally shooting two men who tried to rob him. So, like, there's a badass element to him as yeah, well. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Just I like, guess so. You kind of have to be. You can see him just pointing the gun at someone's heart and then just aiming at their stomachs because he's, like, that much of a piece of shit, like, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to watch this. Yeah. Watching this person die will be interesting is a thought that I think would kind of come up in his brain. Yes, absolutely, know? yeah. So he travelled again at the behest of the British Intelligence Agency and I think he spent some time in China, yeah, and... He invoked his guardian angel and did all this stuff. Of course. Eventually, he returned to Britain and learned, unfortunately, that Lilith had died of typhoid in Rangoon. Oh, uh, they had a second daughter, uh, Lola Zaza, in 1907. Can you imagine being Alistair Crowley's 13-year-old daughter? Just how fucking embarrassing. Is she just Kelly be? Osborne though? I think, yeah, pretty much, I think. Yeah. Just, like, constantly embarrassed by someone, even though he is apparently the Antichrist. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, um, pa- pardon the noise, everyone. I just need to open a bottle of pop. Okay. Uh, also, at the time of his uh, his inheritance began to run out, so he hired he was hired by the Earl of Tankerville to help protect him from witchcraft. Recognizing okay. the Earl's paranoia as being based on cocaine addiction, Crowley <laughs> took him on a holiday to France and Morocco to recover. <laughs> Um, he also... Um... Which is after me, Ali. <laughs> Which is everywhere, man. Now, now come along. Uh, no, come I, on, Tigerville, old boy. I, I know from witchcraft, dear boy. Uh, these witches can't have their arseholes from their elbows. <laughs> their the, uh, anks from their elbows. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So, um, he also took on paying students in his time, including one Victor Neuberg, who became um, his sadomasochistic sexual partner and closest disciple. Good for him. He also founded the uh, Argentium Astra. Now, that's the organization he founded, which written down is A, and then three dots in a triangle, and then A, and three dots in a triangle. Mm. I'm not going to... It just can't be fucked to explain it. So, we're just going to call it the Argentium Astra. Okay. Um, which is a successor to the Golden Dawn, the borrowing. Like something about the stars? Is that it? Oh, you don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> including aspects of Thelema. Um, in 1909, confounded with Rose's alcoholism, he divorced her uh, on the grounds of his own infidelity, uh, though she remained at Boliskin. Uh, her condition worsened and she was institutionalised in 1911. So He's a real piece of a shit. A real piece of shit, yeah. In 1909, Crowley and Neuberg travelled to Algeria and practiced Enochian magic and invoked the demon Kronazon by blood (laughs) sacrifice and sex uh, magic rituals. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, he weathered. Uh, maybe not. I've mentioned this because I rewrote my notes. Where he weathered World War One in the U.S., uh, professing to be of Irish ancestry and to support the cause of Irish independence, and therefore being of a pro-German bent. Okay. Uh, in reality, of course, he was working as a double agent uh, to infiltrate the pro-German so faction. So is, is this confirmed that he was a spy? It's widely believed. Okay. I, I, I need to, again, to go deeper into it, but it seems to be pretty much a big deal. In, in, in the writings about him. Okay. Uh, between 20 to 23, um, destitute and back in London, Crowley came under tabloid attack for being a traitor. He was prescribed heroin for his asthma, which he quickly became addicted to. <laughs> of course. Heroin's got a nasty habit of doing that. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Take heroin for yeah. asthma. It's like, have these cough syrups, dear boy. Yeah, child's cough syrup, Child's isn't cough it? syrup in, yeah. in, in like 1840. Wild. Just fucking... Oh. So in 1920, he moved uh, to Paris and lived with his lover, Lea Hersig, um, which is a particularly filthy poem about. Mm-hmm. Together they founded... Was the this th- the one involving farting or eating yeah, the shit or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit yeah. eating and farting. I, nobody, I mean, you know where to find it. Mm-hmm. Together they founded the Thelemic Abbey in uh, Cefalu in Italy, in the old villa Santa Barbara. Others followed and they wore robes and performed rituals. Uh, he offered a libertine education to the children, allowing them to play all day and witness the rituals. Okay. Which were obviously uh, yeah, yeah. sexual. Sec- yeah, highly. Conditions soon became unsanitary and animals roamed freely. Oh, for fuck's sake. One follower, Raoul Loveday, died after drinking sacrificial cat's blood. Of course he fucking did. Yes. Acolytes were required to cut themselves if they said the word I, uh, because it was a whole communal mm. thing. And allegedly, uh, there's some conflicting reports on this, Leia participated at Crowley's command in a ritual involving intercourse with a goat. Uh, Crowley and his followers were subsequently ejected from Italy by Mussolini's government. I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe when people say Mussolini made the trains run on time, they can just say he ejected Alice yes, Crowley. Crowley. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, is that, like... Was I, I'm not sure you might not know, but, like, was Mussolini one of those dictators who, like, had a six-month experiment with free love because i know that like stalin had this like little bit of oh let's let's try this because mm. it needs to control and he's like uh, I, yeah no no i imagine that, that there's a sort of um a Silvio berlusconi element to mm. to mussolini uh, I, I think for for the I, i'm not sure if the, there was because he kind of put himself in opposition to the popes and that's yeah. how they were seen as like oh they're just a bunch of fucking orgy masters you know yeah that's true but also he was um he was like incredibly paranoid as well. He had like horrendous paranoia, and he was—I think he was maybe coked up or drugged up in some way that just he was up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah, d- dictators in the thirties tended, tended to, to be. be yeah. yeah. So at the start of World War Two, he applied uh, to be a member of British intelligence, but by which point they'd had enough of him. Okay. And um, they declined, <laughs> and he. Fuck off, Al. Yeah. Just... So he visited. He was visited by um, American uh, Thelemite. Brady McMurty, who mm-hmm. you may have encountered on your... I have briefly. Okay. Yeah, I don't mention him, but... Uh, who uh, revived the fraternal organisation of Ordo Templi uh, Orientis, Orientis, sorry, which he then became the leader of from 1971 to 1985. Mm-hmm. On the 1st of December 1947, Crowley died of chronic bronchitis aggravated by pleurisy and myocardial degeneration aged 72. I am fucking shocked that he made it that far. Me too. Holy he was shit. destitute when he died. Mm. And he sort of believed that he'd wasted his life. <laughs> Which is crazy. Because 
Yeah, he did a lot of really fucking terrible things, but also he had a fucking life. You oh, know? oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, he could have potentially been... An like, incredible force for good. Yeah, or, like, up there with Sir Edmund Hillary. As yeah, that, like, yeah. With that, like, imperialist... But even... That, in... you know, that explorer, kind of the, the landed gentry explorer, that kind of... But even thing. if he'd been um, just a... Uh, you know, uh, an occultist and a mountain climber, like, he would be such a cool figure. Well, a mountain climber and a poet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's pretty. Sure. That's pretty fucking cool. Of course, um, uh, the, the funeral was labelled a black mass by the British tabloid, the John Bull, which was the, the tabloid, tabloid that declared him the wickedest man in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, really had a good crack. It was actually just a Gnostic mass and they read from the Book of Law. Um, but it's going to look weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Probably which is was... kind of what he wanted to do anyway. Yes, I got the feeling yeah. like he'd live live weird, you know. Yeah. The... Crowley has remained an influential figure ever since in the UK and other parts of the world. He came seventy third in the list of hundred greatest Britons in two thousand and two. Okay. Yeah, a historian uh, Richard Cavendish called him the best equipped magician to emerge since the seventeenth century, mm-hmm. which is John Dee. I, I yeah. yeah. L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons were involved with him, and in the early forties. And it's argued that he uh, influenced both their works. Um, the Temple of Set, Michael Aquino, mm-hmm. and the Church of Satan, Sandra and Ave, have both claimed him as an influence. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Sergeant Pepper, The Devil Rides Out, Led Zeppelin Three, Quicksand by David Bowie, and of course, Mr. Crowley by Ozzy Osbourne and yeah. uh, Bob Daisley. You know, he's the go-to figure. Oh yeah, yeah. In, I mean, in pop culture, for the wicked, evil wizards. Yeah, and and just weirdness in general. Yeah, I think he's a he's a touchstone for that, isn't he? He is absolutely. Okay, and cool. That is Crowley. Okay, there's a bunch there I didn't actually know about him. Like yeah. the, the spy angle, the spy and the mountaineering stuff was yeah, yeah, probably the most interesting because the magic is fucking boring. I know, right? You can't read about magic. Yeah, oh, so just so fucking like I get. Where lots of us coming from is about putting yourself in the mindset, yeah, to be able to kind of will yourself to do this stuff, yeah, to change your environment, and part of that involves like taking your brain away from the ordinary, yeah. And what better way to do that than with fucking Egyptian gods, you well, and yeah, witchcraft there. rituals, rituals are they, a lot of. Like, Masonic writing is deliberately impenetrable. Oh, yeah. So people yeah. won't just casually read it. You yeah. have to work through a lot of crap to get through the important parts. Yeah. A ritual is designed to be difficult to do, so it discourages, you know, anybody from doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Speaking of things that are difficult to do, Jack Parsons. Uh, so, my main source on this is Sex and Rockets, The Occult World of Jack Parsons yeah. by... John Carter and Robert Anton Wilson. I didn't read all of it because Robert Anton Wilson uh, <laughs> jerks on about the Illuminati a fucking bunch. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that is my main source. Um, so here we go. Marvel Whiteside Parsons, uh, aka John Parsons, aka Jack Parsons. I'll be calling him Jack throughout. Okay. Um, was an American rocket scientist and rocket propulsion engineer, instrumental in the founding of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He was also an occultist who tried to summon the perfect woman, woman through black magic-induced immaculate conception. Wait a second. So, basically, he's weird science. He's weird science. Great, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's weird science. Get, Nerds, this, man. get this for a fucking bit of magic or just wild coincidence. Okay. 
Jack Parsons was born October 2nd, 1914, exactly 105 years ago as we record this. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Did not fucking plan that. Wow. One bit. Um, in Los Angeles and was raised in Pasadena by his mother, Ruth, and his wealthy grandparents who moved from Massachusetts to help look after him. Okay. Um, his father, the original Marvel, yeah. uh, left soon after his birth and Ruth cut off all access to him. Marvel? Marvel, what say past? Like the comic book company. I, do, I don't know where Marvel, the name comes oh, from. Oh, it's such a terrible he was, name. He was named after his father. Yeah. Um, his mother, because he left after he had an affair. Yeah. Um, it gets a bit sketchy about his father as well. Like, he goes from being... Uh, he joins the army. Yeah. But there's records of him going from like being a private to a major in five years, which is not Seems a thing that you no. should be able to do. No. But like, yeah, he pretty ugh. much disappears from history after 1950. Okay. And uh, Jack only met him like once, I think, as he as he was growing up. Okay. Um. So his um grandparents on his mother's side were incredibly wealthy. Uh, they lived on a street in Pasadena known as Millionaire's Mile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's records of his father being, of his grandfather being like a company director and things like that. Um, so he lived a life of privilege, but he was bullied a lot as a child. He's a for fucking his... dork. Oh yeah, he is a fucking nerd. Yeah. Wait. Um, <laughs> so he bullied a lot as a child, and he spent a lot of his childhood reading, uh, particularly sci-fi. Um, uh, inspired by sci-fi, he and his friend uh, Ed Foreman started experimenting with rockets and explosives in 1928. Oh, cool. And he remained obsessed with sci-fi throughout his entire life. During these experiments, they would do things like uh, using glue to bind gunpowder together and, like, using aluminium foil to, like, shape gunpowder so that it would... It's called casting. Yeah. To put it into a form that is kind of more conducive to it so this is Being like a fireworks, right? Fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they get like gunpowder by breaking open a bunch of just like um oh God, what's the fucking word? Cherry bombs. Okay. You know, that's where they get their gunpowder from. And yeah, they just like experiment with it. So they're adding and glue to it so they're creating like a solid fuel. So, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Exactly yeah, solid state fuel. Cool. Um and Parsons's massive back garden was just riddled with <laughs> pock marks. Um, from all the explosions that they did. Um, he went, went to a number of schools as a child. Uh, he was kicked out of the Brown Military Academy for blowing up the toilets. Not brown! Brown! Um, but, like, standard just public school rich kid stuff. Mm. But also showing that he is fucking obsessed with gunpowder and explosions. Yeah. And things like that. Uh, after school, he and Foreman continued with their amateur rocket experiments... Uh, often with material from the Hercules Powder Company, where Jack <laughs> Parsons worked. Um, after his grandfather died, um, his mother and grandmother uh, became quite poor. So, like, he got into Stanford University but couldn't afford the tuition. Mm. Got into another university, couldn't afford the tuition there. Um, so he just worked at this powder company where he just carried on experimenting, carried on building up his knowledge of explosives and rockets. Um, during this time, they began correspondence with rocket luminaries such as Robert Gardard, Willie Lett, and Werner von Braun. Oh, yeah. A man's allegiance is ruled by experience. <laughs> yeah. Call him a Nazi, he won't even frown. <laughs> Nazi schmazi. Werner von Braun. It's Tom Lehrer. Yep. <laughs> um, so he um, 
went on along with Foreman to form the Caltech affiliate, affiliated Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory Rocket Research Group. Cool. In 1934. Um, noise. This was like a period in time where like very prestigious um, institutions would just go, you're like blowing shit up. Oh, fucking cool. Have some money. Do it officially. It is a, it's a tragic shame that we do not live in those yeah, times. Yeah, we don't live in the era of, oh, we don't know much about this thing that we need. Um, oh, you do. Shit. Because, like, just the people who have the power know everything now, which is really yeah. fucking sad. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, he uh, in his role here, he worked on jet-assisted takeoff of the U.S. military and founded the Aerojet Corporation to sell it. Yeah. Um, he was a critical figure in the development of rocket, oh, sorry, of liquid-based fuels. Oh, okay. And solid-state fuels. Cool. Which were easier to store. Yes. Um, and would make him instrumental in the um, space. The, yeah, that's space a sizable program. breakthrough. Solid-state yeah. rockets are yeah. rockets, as we know them. So he was able to work for the military by going, yeah, yeah, of course, it's, it's all for, for planes and shit. He was doing it. So, to build rockets to go to space. Because, yeah, yeah, he had a big hard-on for this whole thing. Yeah, because he was a fucking nerd and had been sent. Because he's just a nerd. He gets singularly focused on things a lot. Um, Galsit, so that's the Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory, um, became the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in 1943. Um... Parsons first tried to summon the devil at the age of 12. Okay. Uh, he became scared when he thought that he'd succeeded, so he stopped. Um, several years later, in 1941, Parsons and his first wife, Helen, joined the Agape Lodge, which was the sole surviving chapter of the OTO, yeah. uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, yeah. um, in the, um, after World War II. Uh, he became fascinated with Thelema, and managed to recruit quite a few of his friends from Caltech into it as well. Yeah. At the bidding of Alistair Crowley himself, Parsons became the chapter's leader in 1942, and eventually moving the lodge to his house when they were chucked out of their current building because of all the weird shit that went on there. Yeah. Um, the building, w- the house would soon be renamed to the Parsonage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, his dedication to Thelema was absolutely that singular focus thing again. Okay. Um, he would often accept, ecstatically shout Crowley's hymn to Pan during rocket tests. Oh, they read that at his funeral. Yeah, and during the last years of his life, uh, Parsons supported Crowley, living in London. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, the lodge was investigated by the FBI at one point, and Parsons pretty much habitually used any drug he could lay his hands on. Um, Elron Hubbard would move into the Parsonage in 1945. Uh, Sarah, Helen's sister, who Parsons was sexually involved with at the time, would become enamoured with Hubbard. And Jack became insanely jealous. Um, becoming enamoured with Elron Hubbard, because he looked like a fucking fat-lipped walrus all throughout his life. Was but, it uh, Parsons? Um, no, so Sarah, Helen's oh, right, sister. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Jack became insanely jealous, despite the fact that um, life in the Parsonage was very much a communal kind of atmosphere again, where they all, you know, it was all about free love and open sexual relationships. Okay. Parsons wanted to find a new partner. And to do so, he embarked on his most famous magical pursuit, the Babylon working. 
This was a series of rituals designed to invoke the earthly embodiment of the Thelemic goddess Babylon. The rituals involved a lot of masturbation and apparently brought poltergeist activity, screaming banshees and disembodied voices to the parsonage. Although another member of the, cha of the um, chapter thought that the disembodied uh, voices were just Sarah and Hubbard playing a prank on Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he even allowed Hubbard to be involved as his scribe. Uh, as author Richard Metzger uh, put it, uh, Parsons jerked off in the name of spiritual advancement while Hubbard scanned the astral plane for signs and visions. Um, weirdly, it kind of worked, as after performing the last ritual in the Babylon working, um, after returning to the parsonage, um, Parsons would meet Marjorie Cameron there, an unemployed illustrator, um, who um, he just said, oh, there she is, there's Babylon, there's the Scarlet Woman, as he called her. And uh, Cameron and Parsons would uh, marry in 1946. I'll go into this in a bit more detail later, but Parsons would later lose his life savings after being defrauded by L. Ron Hubbard and Sarah. I'll go into that later. Classic L. Ron. Classic L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> um, following the defrauding by Sarah and Hubbard and expulsion from the Jet, uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Aerojet Corporation for the sex magic thing and a bit of an earlier dabbling in communism, Parsons would work as a consultant for the Israeli rocket program until McCarthyism prevented him from working in rocketry at all. He died in 1952 at the age of 37 following an explosion in his home laboratory. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, it was deemed an accident by the police, but many of his associates suspected murder or suicide. Because oh. Jack Parsons wouldn't have died in a rock, Some... in, in an explosion, you know, yeah. in, in an experiment. Because he just knew too much about... You know, about pyrotechnics and about yeah, the yeah. chemistry of, of propulsion. Of explosives, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, Parsons is recognised as one of the primary figures in popularising Thelema and the works of Crowley across America. Um, his work in rocketry was largely ignored at the time. Historians have come to regard him as one of the founders of the US space programme. And Werner von Braun himself um, is rumoured to have said that Parsons deserves the title of the father of rocketry far more than I do. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Parsons, not as... There's, again, a lot of detail into the whole magic stuff, but my brain just fucking... Yeah, it's just... Switched off. It is... There's no point in explaining pencil. it. You, I mean, you can explain it, and nobody will get it, and nobody will enjoy listening to it. Like, there are many no. podcasts out there which will talk to you. In fact, I found a podcast on Thelema mm. and listened to some of it. Uh, as part of the research for this, and I quickly realised I'd wandered into a dead end. Yeah, that I was just I could only get deeper into. Yeah, but I think what what you've got is like a contrast between someone who like is singularly focused on things. Yeah, like w whatever it is, he's driven towards just that. And yeah, take it to the absolute extreme. And someone who's a bit of a, ooh, hello. Yeah. Um, sort of a... Gets deep into things for about 15 minutes before he, can, he gets distracted. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's tough with Crowley because he obviously does a lot. But I think he sort of commits to the occasional thing. And he's, you know, he's very accomplished at a lot of things that he does. But he never mastered any of them? I don't know. Of? He's, 
like the mountain climbing, he's pretty proficient at that. Mm. You know, he's pretty, you know, about as good as as, as a lot of his contemporaries. Um, but and, I get the feeling he could have been proficient at. Well, yeah, he like had a lot of uh, proficient. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot of interests, <laughs> and he travelled extensively. And he had a fairly long life, mm. um, so I, I feel that his own sort of um, uh, idea that he'd wasted his life was, was is not correct. But mm. uh, I don't want to speak too fondly of him because he's an absolute piece of shit. But, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I okay. Mean, he he could have created a fucking working golem, and I think he still would have thought he wasted his life. Yeah. Anyway, let's you know? fight these fuckers. Yeah, let's fight them. Okay, so we're going to do our usual thing where when we're not sort of going up against two massively physical fighters, uh, where we're going to lumping strength and agility together. We say that? I think they've both got physical chops. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So like, I was not expecting the climber thing from, yeah. from Parsons. Yeah. Uh, sorry, from Crowley. Crowley, yeah. At all. Um, which, like... As far as strength and agility goes, fuck you need a shitload of both I know. to be a decent climber. You expect him to be a, like a fat, soft loser. Yeah. And to be honest... Which is, how, which is how he looks in all of the pictures of yeah. him. Yeah. If you look at the young pictures of him, he looks a little bit like kind of like Alan Moore when he was young. Oh, right, yeah. And, and that, but of course, the, most of the pictures of him probably come from later in his life when pictures just tended to be more yeah. pre- prevalent anyway. Yeah. So oh, you... Fuck, yeah, he is. He's a lot like Alan Moore. Yeah, like, he is. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Um... But yeah, he he became that sort of fat, bald drug addict that we recognise. Yeah. But yeah, I think he he was yeah absolutely a mountain climber and not adverse to being in a conflict. He shot two guys. Yeah. Yeah. In India. When did he climb the Eiger? I do you know that's what? Like I know it's not the tallest, but it's well renowned as being like one of the fucking toughest mountains to climb. And this would have been in what around the nineteen tens, nineteen twenties? Did he climb yeah, um, Probably the late twenty, late nineteenth century, maybe. Just Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, yeah he play. was very young when he did it. He's first, so when he went to live with the brethren tutor, um, mm. so that would have been before Cambridge. Um, he, he the first thing he climbed was Beachy Head, right? Oh, which is a fucking climb. Yeah, like that's a suicide cliff. Yeah, like, yeah, that is a yeah, nasty exactly. place, you know. Yeah, and he well, he went up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Jungfrau, the Triff, the Monk, and the and the Vetterhorn as well. Like they're all yeah. I don't know any of those mountains, but I know those are fucking mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. By the names that they have. Yeah. In fact, they've got the in front of them. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Parsons doesn't have anything in terms of that level of physical accomplishment, but um, he overcompensated quite a bit as he grew up for. His bullying when he yeah. was a kid because he was seen as being very. I imagine he's that kid that orders like weights out of the back of a comic book. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So when he reached high school, um, because he, he was a nerd, you know, he was he was a fucking he was a dweeb, you know. Yeah. Um. So in high school, he was quite the accomplished archer and fencer. Oh, that's cool. So like combat sports. Yeah, you know? yeah. As as far as it goes, in like a high school for for rich kids in Pasadena yeah um like as fighty as you can get I bet I bet you any fucking money Crowley did a bit of fencing as well I would quite yeah. like to see that like I want to kind of pitch these guys like roughly at the same age mm. you know unless you want to kind of do like Obi-Wan Kenobi coming back to fight Darth Vader, Vader yeah <laughs> kind of that, I'm kind of getting that kind of relationship yeah. with them yeah me too be- because um in the Babylon working in particular Parsons used a lot of black magic yeah rather like Yes, your, your your classic stuff that people were accused of during the witch trials kind yeah. of stuff. Okay. Um, which 
uh, Crowley straight up said, don't fucking do that. Yeah, well... Do Crowley, not fucking do that. Crowley was... Um, uh, when he came back to, to to the UK after one of his stints abroad, possibly after World War One, um, he sort of taunted the papers and said that he was in league with Satan and he... Um, uh, believed in human sacrifice, neither of which he did. Well, no, of course he fucking didn't. No, he, he was just... He liked freaking people out. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, was he liked an, rattling cages. An old, <laughs> down in City Hall. He was an old-fashioned freako. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he must have... Um, I was just trying... I, I'm trying not to, like, loudly rattle through my notes. But it, it must have been before 1898 that he climbed um, yeah. the Matterhorn. So, he was born in 1875. So, he was young. Yeah. Not a Matterhorn. The Eiger, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Parsons was a hunter as well. Oh, yeah. Would you believe he loved his guns? Yes. Um, <laughs> Crowley was also a big game hunter for a brief time in India. Okay. Yeah. Of course he fucking was. Yeah. Just, uh, he took it up as a hobby. Sherlock, he's a Sherlock Holmes villain, isn't he? He is he's, a Sherlock Holmes all villain. All of the Sherlock Holmes villains just ran into each other. It's just that, like I said earlier on, about the sort of, the, the sort of person that can have a job as a mountain climber for a while is the sort of person who's got, like, just the widest range of annoying rich people hobbies. Yeah. Like, they... And an annoying rich people habit as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, we... I'm assuming that we're gonna... We're gonna talk magic. We are going this to is talk purely, magic. This, this is physical strength. It's physical strength. And I'm gonna have to give it to Crowley, and I? I think it's gonna have to be. I mean... I mean, Jack Parsons, like, for all the shit we give him, probably would give us a run for our money. Oh, yeah, definitely. I you mean, know, as not... young people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack Parsons could kick the shit out of me. Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, I don't think that, like, his strength lie in his strength. No. With Parsons, if that makes sense. But I think that very much so that the strength of Crowley was incredibly important to him for mm. most of his life. And also, this was a man who it was... It probably helped him live so fucking long. Yeah, I know. This was a man who was surviving, like, an incredible drug habit. Yeah. Um, like, hashish is mentioned a lot. And we're not just talking about a spliff. No, like, We're no, talking it... about some wild-ass Moroccan shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, Straight off the vine. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about peyote. We're talking about cocaine. We're talking about fucking heroin, which he was addicted to. Oh, mate, so will I later. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, I'm giving this to Crowley. Um, I will agree. Because, I mean, Parsons, yeah, keen archer and fencer, but it's like, you know, he didn't win championships or anything like that. It seemed to be just something he did on the school level. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I really thought Jack would have this one, but no. Strength and agility. Also, I just want to point out the spying too, which we'll come back to. Oh, yeah, 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 fair, but yeah. Goes to Crowley. One to the Crowster. Uh, intelligence next, as it always is. And I am first going to need to address the elephant in the room, which is the defrauding of Jack Parsons, the stealing of his life savings by <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. Yes. Um, okay, so the story is that Parsons formed a company with L. Ron Hubbard and Sarah yeah. after um, Sarah left him for Hubbard, um, <laughs> and uh, Parsons invested his life savings in it. The The plan was to travel from Los Angeles, um, where the Parsonage was, to Miami to buy three yachts, and then sail them back along the Panama Canal to California and flip them for a profit. Okay. 
every fucking person Parsons knew told him this is a really fucking bad idea. Like, even when told about it via telegram, Crowley himself said, what a weak, stupid dickhead. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a weak, stupid dickhead. This is weak, what a weak, stupid dickhead. Um, <laughs> and so, but still, despite it being completely and totally fucking ridiculous, Parsons agreed. Um, Hubbard sought permission from US intelligence to do this, saying that he was going to try and get some dirt on Cuba uh-huh. at the time. Um, but he just wanted to go on a cruise because he's fucking Elron Hubbard and he had this weird obsession with sailing. We'll, yeah, we need to fight him against someone at some point. I know. Because, um, yeah, just another one of history's most fascinating pieces of shit. Yeah. Just such a fucking interesting guy. Um, so uh, Hubbard just wanted to go on a cruise, so he bought the yachts and made off with the rest of the money. Um, Parsons tracked them down to Miami and when they tried to flee on one of the yachts they bought, um, a storm brought them back to shore. Just like, literally, they got like 100 feet out. And then just... <laughs> um, so, uh... Parsons was convinced he'd done this himself by invoking Bartzabel, a vengeful spirit of Mars. Uh, also a fucking kick-ass behemoth song. Okay. Uh, um, so, Elron Hubbard yeah. is the greatest con man of all time. Yeah, that's true. Um, if we, if we'd pitted him against us last week, we'd be dead. Yeah, uh, he, completely he's a, nude. Yeah, he'd even have taken all our hair to sell to a yeah, yeah. to a barber or something. Yeah, to yeah. A, he'd have taken our hair to sell to buy cigarettes. Yeah, just he has the money on him. Yeah, but he just doesn't want to part with it. Yeah. so he'd rubify us. Yeah, to totally. do it. Yeah, um, yeah, he just managed to bluster and bullshit his way into creating a genuine fucking religion. Yes. You know? I mean, I think we've, we talked shit about Scientology on this very podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but I can't say that it's tenets or any dumber than most other religions, really no, speaking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's barely different in terms of being mad for like other sort of relatively modern religions like mm. Mormonism, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I think that there's a, a pretty decent fight to be had in talking about what is the American religion. Is it Mormonism or is it Scientology? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't see any shame in being conned by the greatest con man of all time. I okay. G- genuinely say all time, I reckon. I yeah. Remember, at, at least the 20th century. Uh, do you know what? I reckon I could pitch Crowley against Hubbard... In 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 a in a fight between a tricky motherfucker though. Oh yeah, definitely. I think but, that he's up there. So, but we're talking about Jack Parsons' intelligence right now. Yeah. Um, he is a fucking self-taught rocket scientist. This is yeah okay. He, to the point where n- not just that he managed to get himself a job in the in JPL. Yeah. He is a self-taught rocket scientist who was. So fucking important in the founding of the founding of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which was like the American, you know, it's now a part of NASA. Yeah. And it was where the Americans worked on the first their first rockets. Yeah. Um, so he, um, as I mentioned earlier on, was one of the main figures in the creation of liquid and solid state fuels. Yeah. Um, which are which is really, really important because they're storable. 
you can store them stably for a long period of time. Yes. Which means that they are suitable for space travel. Yeah. And space flight. Um, and on top of all that, he managed to become Alistair Crowley's main man in America. Yeah. At the same time. And he was for a while. It was only when he kind of went a bit too far into it that he kind of diverged from that path. Yeah. So, yeah, I just literally just on the basis that he's self-taught himself to the, be the one of... Yeah, he self-taught, he self-taught himself to be one of the most important rocket scientists ever. I, I will... I will I will grant that absolutely in, in terms of his his contribution to the world. Certainly probably well, yeah, absolutely contributed a hell of a lot more than Alistair Crowley did mm. by that um uh measure. Yeah. But as we've said before, this is a sort of an aspect in which one person is an incredibly focused person and the other person has a whole range of talents. So you're talking about the diversity of his intelligence. I, yeah, I'm talking about a wide and interesting because like he's talking about cabalistic um numerological sort of uh, approaches to things he understands numbers he understands he's, he really is an incredible numerology does not mean you understand numbers <laughs> i know drawing useless bullshit patterns from numbers maths is, is not... patterns man <laughs> yeah the maths is patterns that are proven numerology isn't okay I mean, oh man, we're not going to get into a massive argument about like, because the thing about Crowley is that like, how much of that intelligence and that focus can you just discard for being bullshit? It's, I mean, it is honestly difficult to say. It's difficult to say what to pull apart from what, because the the core, I think, of Alistair's intelligence is his ability to influence people. Not yeah. Okay. The fact that he was uh, involved with the intelligence services, which I'm not taking literally there, but <laughs> he was a bloody spy. He was obviously not, he didn't graduate from Cambridge in the same way that Parsons didn't manage to get through um, university himself. Mm. But again, most of the stuff is self-taught. He's an incredible amount of discipline for somebody who fucks around and, and, and gives up a lot of projects. Because we look at and we look at him as a man who gave up on a lot of projects, not on a man who as a man who achieved a fucking shitload of things not yet. that most people wouldn't. Oh yeah, totally. Um but I get what you're saying, like um you've got Crowley is a sort of a nebulous figure, whereas mm. you know Parsons has got that he's got that spear yeah. to him. So it is it and, is quite and Parsons tough. has got, I think, more that you can say, yeah, he did that, that, yeah. that. Also, um, Parsons benefits from the sort of, you know, 40-odd years of time that have passed for certain scientific theories to mature as oh, well. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. Because uh, his, his fucking around. Um, and yeah, I think I can call it that. I'm, I'm not as, like, convinced by it. Yeah. By you, I don't th- uh, as much as you are, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I right in saying that? Because, like, there's a, there's a certain amount of it that's, like, you, you, you say in, like, yeah, it is bullshit, but there is a certain amount of, yeah, you put yourself into a frame of mind. There, if you study uh, any kind of magic, there's an element of magic that, like the strength of magic is your outlook on life. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And you, you can sort of get into a situation whereby 
um, you sort of judge how you feel that the magic is treating you. Yeah. And there's a lot of shit going on here as well, but what he's doing as well is forming secret societies. He's joining Masonic groups. He's connecting himself to people, webs of people who he can be involved with. He's taking out some of these people. He took out Mathers. He removed his power mm. from the group, uh, probably at the behest of the British government. Yeah. Uh, he did a similar thing to the Agape Lodge in uh, in LA. Yeah. Uh, in replacing uh, the yes. incumbent leader with Parsons. With, with Parsons, yeah. Um, so it it's hard. I mean, obviously, as well, you know, you might sort of deny the, the value of this, but he was a very prolific writer who has written lots of works that have stuck around. Yeah. Admittedly, a lot of them on the strength of his personality, but admittedly also on yeah, the strength of his personality. Yeah. It's more to do with them being the writing of Alistair Crowley than it is to do with them being... Genuinely like, yeah, great Genuinely poems. good. Yeah. Because like, it, it carries that baggage with it. But that's, that's, a, that's a lot. I mean, it's like Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft as well. Like, are they brilliant writers? No. <laughs> Are they, you know, fantastically interesting because of the people who wrote them? Yes. I'd argue with you on Poe. Uh, Poe's not great. Like, we think Poe is great because his poems are old. But at the time... <laughs> I think at the time... Oh, if you're talking contemporaneously... Yeah. Then... Like, Poe was a minnow, really, in oh, the yeah, yeah. Like, literary at, scene. At the time, yeah, Poe was, was nothing. Yeah. And Lovecraft was a, was a pulp guy. Yeah, he wrote for like shitty magazines. Well, yeah, this like is that. it. I mean, Poe was was a science fiction writer basically yeah. of his time. Yeah, um, and Lovecraft wrote like well, you could kind of call it sci-fi. We recognise it as horror now. Yeah, yeah, because horror didn't That's, exist. Yeah, it was horror sci-fi. It was space sci-fi. He was writing a lot of uh, yeah, you know, horror space sci-fi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll keep adding tags on um, horror space sci-fi romance comedies. <laughs> with a sexual vent. <laughs> Actually, there are no sexual vents in uh, in, in Lovecraft's no. stories. No, vents, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he very much followed the school of um, M. R. James. Yeah. in in hiding his predilections. Yeah, um, I think he might genuinely be asexual. But anyway, that's yeah. way off the point. Right. Okay. To settle the intelligence question. Okay, what have you got? It's that's it. They're just different types of intelligence. They're different it's, weapons. They're different weapons. It's very difficult to kind of pit them against each other. Yeah. In terms of how you'd employ it in a physical fight. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be like Captain Kirk fighting the Gorn commander. <laughs> like builds a rudimentary <laughs> musket out of a tube. <laughs> Fires rocks at him. I think it's just one of those things where like... I think... Crowley's brain would kind of mean that he'd want to show off. So you're gonna you, know? you say that he's gonna grandstand. Yeah. This, he's gonna is the man shot to wound two men in India. Yeah, when he should have shot to kill them. No, he shouldn't have because then he'd have been a murderer. Yeah, but they were attacking him. But he successfully he did what he had to do. He employed exactly the right amount of strength. This do guy you, is a big fat know, James Bond. Do you know that Fatchin? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that he wasn't aiming to kill? Let's reverse engineer that question, right? He was expelled from India, right? Which means that, obviously, he was going to face the wrath of the law. Yeah. For wounding two people. You get back to that alleyway or wherever he was that he got attacked by these these, these thugs. Might actually have literally been thugs. Mm. Um, 
You fucking nerd. Hey, uh, he's got a pistol. Two guys are attacking him. Um, he has the presence of mind to shoot to wound two people instead of shoot to kill, knowing full well that one of these things is going to get him into trouble. The other one's going to land him in jail. Where did he wound them? It is lost to history. So we don't know that he wasn't aiming to kill. Two of them, though. Shit shot. Two of them. Yeah, so you're trying to aim to kill them. You're less likely to hit them where you want to kill them, uh, where you can kill them. Okay, I think that the best you can do is to neutralize this. We're we're doing that thing where we get lost. Yeah, so we'll that you've neutralized that by the unknowables, right? Uh, And then what I can fall back on is his uh, work with intelligence services around the world for a number of years. A number of years. Yeah. Uh, His um, attention to detail. His, he's a he is essentially a polymath. He's got lots of skills, mm. and his you know mountaineering is no small feat. It is a feat of the brain as well as the body. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But um, I wouldn't put that down to intelligence. There's an, there are elements of it that involve intelligence. Okay. Yeah. I I know nothing about my mountain climbing, so. Okay. Um. But your guy is a rocket science guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, my guy um, is the 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 meme for intelligence. You know? Yeah. It's not rocket science. Okay. Except with Jack Parsons, it is. I mean... And not only that, but he also was able to compartmentalise his brain enough so that, yes, I am foremost self-taught rocket scientist in the fucking world. But at the same time, I'm doing all this occult like creepy shit. goth, yeah. Yeah. With magic. Look. That, I'm going to argue later, fucking worked. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna say is that I kind of thought that you would win this hands down, but I just wanted to show you that Crowley oh, could give I'm you not, a hell of a fight. On I'm it. not saying that Alistair Crowley was not an incredibly intelligent man. If I push super hard, I do believe I can win this. But probably, but but I have to stand the, by the fact that your man is a rocket scientist. Yeah, I think the fact that Jack Parsons self-taught himself rocket science to the point that he is. The father of space travel. Okay, we'll throw it down to we'll of, throw it down to Parsons. I can literally Let's, just keep let saying this die. That. Let's let this die. I'm writing it down. Parsons, thank you. <laughs> uh, next topic. I can't just keep saying he's a rocket scientist too. No, no, you can't. Uh, it's resilience. Um, so um, Jack Parsons did not have an easy life. Okay. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. So, as mentioned before, he was bullied as a kid for his uh, privileged upbringing and effeminate manner, or perceived effeminate manner. Um, back in like the nineteen twenties, I guess that means it's because he didn't smoke by the age of twelve. Probably. I'm guessing that's the case. Um, he also went from that privileged upbringing to extreme poverty. Like, pretty fucking extreme poverty. Like, he, he was working at the uh, powder company to support his mother and his uh, grandmother. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, that... To go from that pure all the way down there in just, like, a flash, I think that's that's a really fucking hard thing to, to overcome. Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of physical resilience, uh, he had... Hunter S. Thompson levels of fucking drug use. Yeah. Uh, Jack was a poet himself, and I've got a little 
little snippet of a poem that he wrote. I think it might be a limerick. Okay. Um, so, from Parsons himself. I hiked Don Quixote. I live on peyote. Marijuana, morphine and cocaine. I never knew sadness, but only a madness that burns at the heart and the brain. Oh. See, that? that's poetry I can get behind. It sure is, yeah. Um, yeah he... Almost, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, I'm thinking about the fist with the peyote cactus in it. Oh, Gonzo. Gonzo Gonzo poetry, yeah. Yeah, I've got a tattoo of a Gonzo You do have a tattoo of a Gonzo fist on your arm, you bloody journalist Uh, dude. I I am a (laughs) fucking nerd. Anyway, um, so yeah, the whole, the the drug use thing, um, since his early 20s. Yeah. um, Everything was, um, just at the lodge, it was constant sex and drugs. Yeah. Um, And just one of the main uh, things that got him sacked from his own fucking company and from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory was the fact that he kept coming in hangover and still chemically altered from the night before. Uh, When you said coming in, I was like, oh God, not again. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later. Um, For various things throughout his life, he was under near constant scrutiny by the FBI and the police for the whole sex magic thing and the communism thing and just his general Jack Parsons-ness. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was defrauded of his life savings by Elrond fucking Hubbard. <laughs> and still managed to the carry on. The Napoleon of cult <laughs> The Napoleon of dickheads. Yeah. And he still managed to accomplish all that he did. Yeah. Throughout all that. Yeah, okay, I guess. It took his house blowing up to kill him. I... Hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I fuck yeah. I mean, uh, compared to a lot of people who we've put up against each other, I'm sure that, that even the likes of you know like Ed Egan and uh, uh, Toski would have mm. a hard time surviving some of the shit that you managed to survive. But I'm just gonna name Anning and got shit on Jack. <laughs> Mary Anning. I don't know, man. She's pretty tough. <laughs> I just want to give you a couple more of these titles. You know, Beachy Head, the Eiger, the Trift, the Jungfrau, the Monk. The Vetterhorn. Mountain climbing's hard. Yeah, mountain climbing's hard. Tough. Also, this is a man who survived syphilis, gonorrhea, <laughs> and um, <laughs> what else did he catch? Something else as well. He all of it. He and his. I would say the fact that he caught them at all meant that he wasn't that fucking uh, resilient, really. I'm just saying he was fucking a lot more than Jack Parsons was. Ah, <laughs> well, I, no I'm, I'm like that. 100% certain that he was. The man lived for 72 years and he fucked. Oh, are you d- are talking about no literally just by the by dint of the fact that he lived for 40 more years than Jack Parsons it's did? It's a big deal. Okay, fair, fair point. He, yeah. he, he, like, he, the world hit him with a lot. Um, there's a lot of the stuff he did to himself. Yeah. The drugs, the sex. Like, his anus was probably a disaster area. By the time he was 30, you know? <laughs> oh, he fucking was, hell, man. He was putting all kinds of stuff up there. Yeah. You know, he loved it. I think just... Crowley strikes me as the kind of guy that, like, if he has a hole on his body, stuff's going in he it. He will violate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, any which way he can. Yeah. Um, degenerate little... He turd. was a man. I think he, like, he lost his virginity at 14 to, like, one of his mother's maids, who obviously then got sacked. Now, see, that... Fucking narrative. I've heard that on a lot from a lot of dickheads. Yeah, I 
refuse to believe that when anyone says it. Do you know what? I don't fucking care who you are. The I lost my virginity at the age of 14 to a, a maid who was like 23. That story can fuck off no matter who's telling it. a secret for you. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. The reason I am sat here today oh, is really? because of that, yeah. Really? I had a relative who, um, in uh, like, a direct descendant of mine. Okay. I won't name the size of the family or who this particular person was, but let's just say it goes back two or three, three or four generations. Then. Okay. It was a maid in service of a particular famous house right. in this country. Uh, as a teenager, yeah, and was impregnated by some young piece of shit. We don't know who, right, uh, or who they were connected to, but they ended up in the workhouse as a result of it. So mm. it fucking what happens. Fuck? It happens, man. I, I okay. literally hear cool. because of it. Um, yeah, but this apparently this was not just Crowley saying it. This was one was caught and dismissed by Mark Crowley. Okay, and ended up. Think being a prostitute and dying. Okay, it's yeah. a pretty mucky story. Yeah, that didn't happen to my relative. My okay, relative was a, fuck for that. Yeah, yeah, it vastly improved a lot after the the whole situation. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, so he survived a lot of things happening to his body. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, malaria. That was the one that he's also survived. Okay. Um, um, I go on to add that although I couldn't really find much on it. Um, I'm willing to bet that Jack Parsons was blown up a fuckload. Oh, I'm sure that there was like a blammo moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he found himself without eyebrows more than your average dweeb in universe in the well, like, first year of uni. You know, he he got blown up a lot. I'm sure that he did. Um, but also another thing that, <laughs> that Crowley survived was that fucking Abbey. Yeah. Three years of being around, like, animal shit and piss and cutting themselves. Yeah, fair, fair point. Yeah. Like, the third disease you couldn't remember, was it typhus? No, the third so disease was malaria. Oh, it was malaria. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, I did fucking get yeah, malaria. Yeah, he got malaria and survived. And then after he got, after he recovered from his initial bout of malaria, that's when he attempted to climb K2, a mountain which was not climbed until considerably later. No, no, yeah. That yeah. was a tough climb. I mean, failing to climb K2. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. That's fair. fair. Yeah. I totally would. Um... Yeah, and like I said, he, he he dragged his body through on through his life, racked by these various illnesses and ailments, and he didn't really slow down till the end. You know what? Just for the disease factor, <laughs> the disease and the mountaineering, because, and the mountaineering. But as far as you know, you know, you know what? Fuck it. It's just the diseases because I, in terms of the physical rigors. I put being blown up alongside uh, alongside mountaineering. Nah, man. It's nah. I would say that being blown up is the short, sharp, shock equivalent of mountaineering. You I, get you get the physical rigors of mountaineering in like a fraction of a second in being blown up. It depends how blown up you get because you could climb a mountain for like days, days and days. You could be climbing a mountain for weeks. Like you could be trekking. Like I'm assuming that they weren't driving in cars to the fucking Himalayas. I I am I am putting being blown up on a par with mountaineering. I totally. I've done neither. Totally disregard. I've that. done neither. And I'm gonna find some mountaineers. <laughs> and I'm gonna find some mountaineers that have got blown up. And I'm gonna blow. <laughs> Which is harder? I'm gonna blow them up. Hey, um, you know what? Fucking bear grills, probably. Ugh, I'm not. Talking I mean, to bear it means I'm gonna talk to bear grills, who just strikes me as an insufferable prick. 
on the Crowley level. Yeah. But just with Jesus. I'd, I mean, I would like to fight him against... Um, what's the name of your man? Ray Mears. Because oh, I'm, Big Rills, hands down. I'm a big... No, man, I'm a big... Oh, shit, this could be a 27th fight. <laughs> Ray Mears is the working man survival expert, right? <laughs> We'll come back to this, and you've just picked your fucking guy as well. well the, the, the Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> of wilderness survival is Ray Mears. Look how chubby he is. He looks He's like so a... good at it. <laughs> <laughs> See, my perspective has always been, nah, he's far too doughy to be a fucking survivalist. No, he's just, but it's just that he's so that good at it. Anyway, Crowley wins this I'll give it. I'll give it a Crowley. I'll <laughs> give it a Crowley. On the basis of all the fucking diseases. I'm going to give him 666 points. I'm going to give you a thick year. (laughs) (laughs) That was shit. Yes. So, in our final round, it is, as always, the wild card round. Some would say this may be the wildest of cards we've ever done. The wildest card yet. Um, So, what we... We've decided upon mm-hmm. is that we are going to uh, essentially demonstrate their magic somehow. Yeah, we're gonna have a magic fight, motherfucker! A, a literal a magic fight. Um, and I think you're gonna go first, right? I am gonna go first. Um, Do it. So, um, there's not much really talked about specific magical acts the Parsons um, undertook and did but the ones he did fucking worked okay um, so he um, undertook the Babylon working to get the perfect woman right yeah he did Marjorie Cameron did, despite the fact that they had an open relationship um, Marjorie Cameron was with him until he died. Okay. Um, of an explosion. She, of an explosion. She came back to the um, to the parsonage after the explosion. She was out grocery shopping. Okay. They were man and wife, despite the fact they got into some weird shit. Um, he got his perfect woman through going out into the Mojave Desert and jerking off into a cup or something along those lines. Um, and he wanted to changed the world and he did you know I would just say that like I said his magic got results got tangible results um you're probably about to kick my ass aren't you um it depends it depends really <laughs> on uh, on how you look at it magic is very subjective and that's what yeah. we'll be arguing in this round but Crowley's opinion on magic Mm. Was that um, it, it's a form of psychology. Yeah. And as I said earlier on, um, what he was doing was creating influence in a world. Yeah. And what Crowley was incredibly successful at was changing things. Yeah, okay. He stepped into the Order of Golden Dawn and he changed it forever. Yeah. He created Thelema, he re-established the OTO, he changed it forever. His power lies in his ability to use a real application of magic Yeah. in a very sort of... Like, um, modern-day spin doctors 
a kind of like it's a form of like weird psychological magic it's, it's like influencing the, and the force of your will you take a fact that is a definite fact yeah you grab it by the balls mm. you twist it around mm. and suddenly the whole thing is different yeah and what i wanted to just sort of talk about is let's look at the internet era let's look at the post 2016 world right we are looking at a world where nefarious influences creep in through their tendrils into something, flip it round, and we might find out about it eventually. Yeah. But by the time we found out about it, that damage is already done. It's like Russian a election uh, meddling. Meddling, yeah. Um, everything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Yeah. Um, and what well, stuff like meme magic and things like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. Even even the you know, literal sort of other kinds of magic like chaos magic, which is essentially um, bringing an element of chaos into a system, yeah, to influence it and to make changes on it, you know. And and this is it. It's psychology and it's magic. And the the reason that it works is he's got a certain psychological situation that he wants to achieve. He applies what looks like magic. Everybody who is evolved or the focus of this gets fucking scared mm. of like what what is Crowley gonna do they either believe he's a genuine magician or they know that he's actually he's a pretty switched on smart guy with a lot of powerful connection and, and he can was, cause a lot of fucking trouble and it was wily as shit yeah he did it throughout his entire life the fact and, that he never went to jail and he does the whole thing yeah that's a good fucking point actually yeah and he does the whole thing with distorting reality yeah like that thing of like oh yeah yeah black magic yeah, I've been uh, consorting with the devil. Yeah, and I and, believe in uh, human sacrifice. I believe in human sacrifice. Um, yeah, he, and he, he travelled the world, and again, like, I don't want to use it on every single thing that I've mentioned, but the fucker was a big, massive spy. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he hid his spying in absolute plain sight by doing the I Ching in China, or yeah. you know, uh, uh, Roger Yoda. And, yeah. By screaming, look at me. He was a big, bald, red thumb <laughs> with a pointy hat he, oh yeah, he did have that nestled, stupid fucking pyramid hat nestled in the anus of the world and nobody wanted to, nobody everyone was too nervous to pull him out yeah <laughs> he I, I just that that's right like the whole thing Crowley is a piece of shit he's mm. a horrible man he was terrible to women he was terrible to everyone around him but ultimately he lodged himself in there and a man essentially who was a mountain climber and a poet like you know fucking Yeats or T.S. Eliot not as accomplished as either of those guys in what they do mm. but arguably as famous in the uh, modern yeah. world yeah through his ability to be a thorn in the side of reality yeah okay um so with Parsons um I argue that he changed the world far more than Crowley ever did but I don't Just... believe that it's magic that was his ability to change the world it was science that did that. True, um, but I say that there are there are two incidences of Parsons kind of like maybe actually doing supernatural fucking magic. Okay. So there's the Marjorie Cameron thing. Yeah. Um, and you could argue that is a case of him. His perception has changed. Yeah. So he latches onto this woman, and through the force of his own personality. Yeah. Because he was like. Charismatic motherfucker. Yeah. Was Parsons. Um, that 
he kind of changed her perception of reality as well. Changed her perception so, of him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he he did it in these smaller ways. Okay. And the fact that like that storm stopped Elrond Hubbard from going on his fucking cruise with his money. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is an interesting. Um... Interesting concept. I mean, it probably coincidence, but it's one of those things of like, ah, see. In the same way, like the Crowley cursed Mather, you uh, know? yeah, or the the Crowley cured the curses of um, the Duke of Dork, wherever he was from, that cocaine addict. You know, it, it, again, it's perception changing. But you talk about obviously, you know, uh, Parsons did incredible to change the world. Mm. But again, it's all butterfly effect stuff. What did Crowley do? We don't know. Yeah. It's the, the fate of a spy. You know, he's passing on information. He could have... He could have radically affected Spain's future by just having a rich... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Patron of, yeah. of a particular faction removed from the picture. What was he doing in Russia? What was he doing in China? What was he doing in Mexico? What was he doing in America? We just don't know the true extent that his roots, the, 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 the core, like I said, of of Crowley's magic gripping into the 20th century we do not know I'm not I'm not 100% convinced on the spy thing the spy thing I mean I go to the book the book is is very interesting it is real if you read any of the things about um, Alistair Crowley most of them accept uh, either accept that he was a spy for the British government or don't go into it because they're concentrating on the magic okay and even the ones that don't go into it will go into it <laughs> in some way shape or form it's real I'm still not maybe I need to read the book it's also something that I'm, I'm not a final point on that who fucking influenced Parsons to do what he did Alistair Crowley he, he, he was dabbling beforehand but yeah okay you've got me there the fact it, it was his jumping off point for a lot of things. Because like, when he was a kid, along with the sci-fi, he was reading about mysticism. Mm -hmm. But he got scared in a way that Crowley didn't. Yeah. Like, he thought he'd sound... Crowley like, left the demons in his house yeah, yeah, and went like, to Paris. Whereas, yeah, Crowley... Uh, Don't touch any of my things, you awful demons. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that fucker's gone! <laughs> Insufferable doughy brick! <laughs> Smells like essence of petunia! <laughs> Perfume on my boots! He just he walked out of the house and he left the 12 Dukes of Hell in. And it's still there today. They were like, we I, I just don't know what to do anyway. I mean, I was going to cause mischief. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be bound to this house by some. Twat of a mountaineer. You know what? It's actually quite nice here, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, nowhere's that nice when you're trapped there, is it? Do you reckon they were like watching for the Loch, for the Loch Ness monster? I was, oh <laughs> fuck! Maybe one of them is the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I just think that Crowley is the spider. He he he's he's everywhere. He's he's like he, people like he would influence people like Somerset Maugham, Rodin, like artists like they were. There are so many people that he touched in his life, including Jack Parsons, including Jack Parsons yeah. and L. Ron Hubbard, and Auguste uh, Rodin and W. Somerset Maugham and W. B. Yeats and Conan Doyle and like he he was a, like I said yeah he, he is the Lord Varys 
of, of his time. He even looks like he Lord does Barris. He does look like fucking Lord Barris. <laughs> From Game actually. of Thrones. Yeah. I can't believe it took us that long to make that connection. I know, yeah. Fuck yeah. Alright, yeah. Woo! He's, he's got magic. Which means yes. you win. Yeah, I mean, he is again. obviously the wickedest man. No, he's not, though, is he? No, he's not Hitler. <laughs> no, that, that's it. It's like, I'm the wickedest man in the world. No, no you're not, man. I'm yeah. wickeder than Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah, you, you're just... Uh, you fucking... Just a twat. He a was pretty wicked. Twat. <laughs> he was pretty wicked. He did some pretty bad things. Yeah. Um. So, should we go into the post-fight analysis? Yeah, I guess so. Smug prick. <laughs> Look, you're a lot like Alistair Crowley in a lot of ways. Oh, I am, right? Because <laughs> I'm fat. No, it's not because you're fat. <laughs> yeah. <you're> dead. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I thought that this would be a tough battle. Um, so did I. I. Fuck. Well, yeah, it's. It was. It was. It was a bloodbath, really. Yeah. I mean, strength and agility obviously were combined into one, so that was just. Probably, but I think if we just split them out, you'd probably want agility as I well. I probably would have, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, intelligence, I believe, rightly went to Parsons. Like, the guy self taught himself rockets. Yeah, yeah. And we all know rockets are notoriously hard yeah, yeah. from that popular uh, Almost idiom. as difficult as brain surgery. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not rocket salad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Crowley, for his mountaineering and survival, surviving his various sexual and environmental illnesses that he received. Yeah. Picked up the resilience and then on a wild card. He had to win that magic round, man. I know. He had to. He's I know. The, the spider of the earth. Um, I'd say put Parsons up against just about anyone else in like the, the field of esoteric weirdness. Like he kicked the shit out of Anton LaVey. Yeah. It was just a particularly snappy dress in fucking organist. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm very happy to have won this one because this is the first... This is it's not since, I think, episode five that I've won one. Yeah, you might, yeah I think because you're right Because obviously, yeah, you won a couple after that. And then we had, I think, a draw. And then we were fighting ourselves against something else. So, yeah, this is... Which been, we both lost. Then, yeah. Really. <laughs> so this is the, yeah, the first time... For a while that I've won uh, at one time. I'm, I'm very pleased. Yeah. Um, um, so what would happen? How was Alistair doing in Jack? Um, I think that Alistair is going to put out a pamphlet uh, describing uh, a very intricate fall of, of Jack Parsons. Yeah. Which Parsons is going to defend himself against panickedly in a magical way. Yeah. Doing lots of rituals. And then what Crowley's going to do is like creep in his house while he's asleep and then like stick him with something that gives him a, a, a nasty disease. Yeah, one of his own. Uh, yeah, and then when he's out in public one day, something maybe that kind of like disrupts his, his, his heart or something, he's going to come out in public and he's going to raise his arms and, and pretend to do something dramatic and uh, Jack passes and die of a heart attack in front of him and everyone's like, fuck, did you see that? Yeah. that's how this bullshit works, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it the, is. The you, way you, trick... you set it up and then you just... Set the fire. Magicians off. can be frightening, but the way to avoid being affected by a magician is just not to step into the trap. Everything yeah. relies on you stepping into the trap. So yeah, Go. Crowley does an intricate bunch of stuff, which leads to Jack Parsons getting killed in public and everyone thinking he did it by just you know chanting at him or something. You know, throughout the course of this, you know who fucking uh, Crowley reminds me of? Who? Donald Trump. 
Fucking right. I, I was thinking that too as well. There's a lot of... of uh, yeah. Just in terms of the whole, like, this is my reality, you have to live in it. Yeah, yeah. Because it because it's like a case of you, you've either got to work to refute it, yeah. which isn't really possible, yeah. or you've just got to bend your own reality to his. Yeah, without sort of you know, flogging a dead horse on this particular subject, but I think what I said about in the magic section about him, like nobody was really doing that level of weird shit in no. public. No, yeah, because that, that's it. It's the time as well. Yeah. It? Just, we're talking about like the the 20s and yeah. the 40s. Well, yeah, the late, like... late sort of 19th century till 1947, yeah. which is when he started to do the odd stuff. Like, people were doing, they had, you know, Rosicrucianism, they had secret societies, all that was going on. Very few people were just balls out, paganistic, sort of ancient god-following crazy fucks yeah. in, the, get, in the world. And it he, wouldn't be until like 20-odd years after his height. Yeah. When he's like, which he legitimized his, by yeah. being a spy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. I it, He's a piece of shit, but it's such a fascinating topic. And all that has bled into the 20th century, into the various projects that the American government, for example, is sort of like put upon the world like MK Ultra, yeah warping and changing reality secret societies I'd, bohemian I'd say, grove i'd say that with the the um like the MK Ultra stuff i think that came a lot more out of like cuz lsd wouldn't have been a thing would it uh around the time of no but pay, pay out your mescaline yeah i think it was it was more to do with like timothy leary and people like that was oh like yeah that, absolutely right? again all these are sort of influenced by a more sort of um, libertine society set mm. up by the likes of, of Crowley and, and, and those crazy fucks from the, the early after the 20th century. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I think that oh, yeah. this is one of the one of the genuinely the hardest ones to research uh, on account of the fact of how deep into it you have to go. Yeah, and, and how much just boring horse shit there is to, to yeah. wade through. We've not even covered like a third of the stuff that I ended up writing about, about Crowley. No, no. And I can't even remember most of the stuff. Just to, I tried to pull a couple of like tricks out of my hat in there where I ended up like flicking desperately through my notes trying to find what the hell did he do at that time when he did that thing? Yeah. But yeah, it was cool. And I, you know, I went into very little of the of Parsons Rocket stuff as well because I just don't understand it and I can't give it rocket science because I'm not a fucking rocket scientist it's as impenetrable as magic yeah, you know? yeah, it yeah. is a form of magic yeah um, okay uh, awesome fight I enjoyed that yeah and, enjoyed that um, uh, I guess um, we should just kind of close off I haven't got anything major to announce no. this time round or hopefully we'll have some interesting news by next yeah. episode you've done a plug already so I've done a plug yeah if you come and see me at my ghost show uh, this Friday I'm one of the featured artists in um, uh, Swansea Fringe Festival's uh, Late Night Ghost Stories nice uh, event can be found on Facebook uh, if you are so inclined to check it out in the day you have to do so mm-hmm. um, I also obviously want to put out a big uh, mention for our social medias mm-hmm. um, so we are make underscore fight on Twitter we make things fight on Instagram uh, we make things like podcast on Facebook. I swear to God, there's a group coming at some point. There is a group coming because the page is thing the, is the page is it, absolutely and bullshit and annoying. It's useless. Uh, and also, we make things fight at gmail.com Is our email address? Send us emails. Send us pictures. Fight, send us things. Fight requests. Fight requests. Uh, we've had loads of interaction. Loads of really nice words since the last time i spoke to you guys i've been posting this up on instagram and, and instagram and facebook stories and we love it as it's of great last fun. check we had 99 followers 
Yeah, I know. Which is like, you know, we we haven't been going on very long. We haven't really been doing a great deal to promote it. No. uh, Beyond sort of like, you know, tagging things. And we really... Snarly, yeah. We've built up uh, quite a lot of um, uh, cool people who who send us lots of really nice messages, which we absolutely, totally appreciate and love. So please get in touch and um, let us know what you think. Uh, if you're on um, Apple Podcasts, rate us and review us, us. Um, uh, nicely, please. We, five stars. Yeah, give please. us five stars. Cause we, Don't be the guy who goes on TripAdvisor and says this was shit. Yeah. Fuck off. Because you know what happens. You'll end up on a cruise and a clone is going to get you. Yeah. Um, or you might get a rocket in the face. Yeah, you might. Or you might get done in by a magician in a way that you couldn't possibly imagine. <laughs> Also, uh, I, I oh, wanted yeah. to put out a massive thank you to producer Kath. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who has done a tremendous amount of, of art for us um, this time around. Like, I sort of manage the, the, the social medias and Drew sort of does a lot of the editing. Uh, so it, is, it takes up a lot of my time producing hilarious and finding <laughs> hilarious bits and pieces to, uh, to post up there. But Kath has given some really, really cool, creepy art for... Um, uh, for Halloween season, yeah, which yeah. I'm so glad that it, that we are in. So you'll be seeing some of that sort of fed out into the feed over the over the next week. And uh, give us a like, give us a share uh, if you love the art, and uh, let us know what you think. And and we have a fucking doozy for you for Halloween. Oh, we do. It, it it's good. It's one of it's a. We have if we actually gone this big before, like um, in terms of rivals. What in terms of real life yeah. rivals? Like, um, I think I think this is like the biggest sort of real sort of like you know a physical altercation between them could have actually happened. Yeah, due and to their... definitely has a million times on various things. Yeah, yeah, I won't say any more. Yeah, um, but yeah, this one's going to be an absolute fucking joy to yeah. research and talk about. Okay, um, I don't think it's what you're expecting either. No, 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 it is not. But it's big. Yeah. Um, so, um, thank you for the shellacking once again, Matt. Um, quite right. I enjoyed stalled. it. Um, I have been Drew Davis. And I have been Matt Troy. And, and together, we have made, made things, things fight. fight. I was going to try to alternate it. Ah, we'll figure it out next fine. time. It's fine. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. I love you. <laughs>